0: Yeah, I know, it sounds weird. I'll explain later why it sounds weird. This episode of the SVP is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor Anchor.fm is where you want to go if you want to do a podcast. They're very easy creation tools. Make it so simple to easily record, edit, and... um, Do a podcast that they distribute with ease for free. It's everything that um, you'd hope everything would be. And um, if you go to anchor.fm, download it onto your phone, download it onto your computer, download it to anything you want to use, PCs, laptops, whatever. And um, start podcasting today. Uh, a zero audience, minimum listenership is what is needed to possibly make money from your podcast. Oh my god! Everybody, people like people like money, and um, and that's what's going on over there. Go to Anchor.fm, get started today, do a podcast because it's cool. All the cool kids are doing it. Let's see, um, I got dates. I got dates. Um, I'll be coming to your town either playing drums or telling jokes. I don't know which one you'd want to come see me do. Maybe you'd want me to come see me do both. Even if that's the case, it's not going to be in the same night. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, September 15th. I will be doing comedy in Sunnyvale at Murphy's Law. September 17th, I will be playing drums in Hazards at the Caravan in San Jose. Uh, September 30th, I will be doing comedy at the Big House Beans. At Big House Beans. Coffee beans? Probably. Pinto beans? Mm, Probably not. That's in Oakland. Um... October 6th uh, The Boyle's Bistro Blowout My monthly first Thursday show In downtown Hayward Headlining will be Jerry Law December 9th I'll be playing drums In Hazards Uh, uh, We're playing at The Destructive Warehouse Which is in Fresno, California And then uh, October 29th, Hazards playing the Elegant Pub in San Jose I should definitely have my glasses on because I can't read what's here in the notes. Uh, Is that an 11? It sure is. 11, uh... Uh, November 3rd uh, will be the November uh, Boyle's Bistro blowout with uh, a rebooking of Johnny Taylor Jr. after he flaked out a couple months back due to getting... The Rona. Uh, Hazard's be playing uh, the Blue Lagoon November 5th in Santa Cruz. I'll be doing comedy November 11th at the Post in Modesto. Hazard's playing uh, November 26th, I believe. That's the Saturday after Thanksgiving uh, at the Knockout in San Francisco. And then um, the December December 1st will be the December Boyle's Bistro Blowout Paul Conyers headlining And then I'll be doing comedy the next night uh, December 2nd At the Sound Room in Oakland I got two shows in Oakland The next couple months Which is um, I don't get to do Oakland very often So I'm stoked on that And as always Music 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 heard here on uh, the Sean Boyles podcast is not owned, copywritten, or trademarked by me, the Sean Boyles podcast, or anything else. Don't sue me. It's the Sean Boyles podcast. Music, comedy, drums, life. So here's the deal I have misplaced a very, very important cable The cable that allows me to record into my phone Through the mixer So the sound is clean That cable is missing And I'm fucking pissed Because uh, I took it with me For a gig, uh, Hazards played on Saturday, or Friday, in Seaside, California. And I took this cool little setup with a small little practice amp, a volume pedal, and a cable to plug into the phone to play the ambient noise that I had... I talked about it last week. The ambient noise that I recorded. And it was great. It was cool to weave it in and out of the set or out of uh in between songs it worked great it was perfect i come home i go to set up to do the podcast this evening that cable is gone uh the volume pedal was there the little small practice amp was there the extension cord i took with me was there the little patch cables to come in and out of the volume pedal were there the um quarter inch to uh, eight millimeter cable was there the adapter dongle to go into the iPhone so it can accept audio was not um I will have to order another one uh it I, I don't know where it's at. It's not in the bag. It's nowhere to be found. It's gone, lost forever. Thus, we are going old school, holding the phone, talking into it, playing sounds out of a speaker. <sighs> Fucking sucks, yo! <laughs> it's super primitive. Back to the primitive times of when uh, I used to do the podcast like this. Anyway. And I used a Bluetooth speaker. Now I got the, I'm still running the mixer, but running it out to a amp. We'll see how this goes. It'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Welcome to episode 156. 156? 155. 155. 155. 155 episodes of the Sean Boyle's Podcast. Uh, it is Tuesday. What is today? The f- 6th. What is today? Yeah, the 6th. And um, it was fucking stupid hot today. It was hot yesterday. It was hot the day before. But hotter even today um, And I don't know What is happening With my body But starting with The day before yesterday In the heat um, My caca output Has been substantial There's an uptick now, I'm a good, I'm a good, I'm good for a, a, a I'm good for two cacahs a day, okay? I'm a two poop kind of guy, okay? Two poop a day, one in the morning, sometimes two in the morning for whatever reason. Sometimes there's an initial one right when I get up and then after moving around and getting dressed and, and, and getting ready, then right before I need to leave, there's another one I need to drop. And then oftentimes in the evening, there'll be another movement. So I'm good for at least two, sometimes three. I don't know what the fuck's going on with this heat, but I have been clipping at three and flirting with four. I had, f- I had four yesterday. I had three today. Kind of feel like I can go a fourth one today. As of right now, I could probably drop another deuce. Is there something about the heat that is making me poop more frequently? I I want to I want to write in. I want to call Doctor Drew. I want to write in a a, a a a a a thing and get an answer. Does Dr. Drew know why I'm pooping more because of the heat? Is it a thing? I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, lots of things to go over in the podcast episode this week. There is a lot to go over. Um... We can talk about uh first let's recap the bistro. I had the Boyles Bistro blowout this past Thursday. Uh we had a great show going into the show, uh, however, had some people pull out, had to pull some strings to get some more people in. Um uh, I think I mentioned it on the podcast last time because these guys these guys flaked out before uh before I recorded the podcast. And um between some of the comics, and I will not say who, there was a potential to have a little drama. But um, and my uh, uh, Kevin the AV guy, when I told him that, you know, we got to be on our toes because it could possibly get dramatic. And he said, drama at the bistro. And I thought that was a hilarious name. For some sort of fucking emo band from the mid-2000s. Drama at the Bistro. I thought that was hilarious. I laughed hard reading texts from Kevin the AV guy. Um, which, by the way, have Kevin the AV guy has been getting amazing compliments about the flyers for the Boyles Bistro blowout. I think I mentioned it before. I will mention it again. Kudos and great job to Kevin the AV guy for his flyers for the Boyle's Bistro blowouts. Top-notch flyers. I like our flyers. Our flyers, they don't look like the other comics, comedy show flyers. No, they do not. And I like that. There's something about comedy show flyers that they always put the fucking old school caged, you know, the, the old the old timey microphone, the big square piece of shit thing that sounds like ass. It's not a good sounding mic. Never. It's never been a good sounding mic, although they make new ones with modern guts that sound better. Uh, but they're not uh, traditionally good sounding mics. Um, it's just what a microphone was back then. And uh, for whatever reason, comedy flyers often have that dumb square mic on them. There will be none of that on any Blowout Productions flyer that I put together. No siree. Anyway, uh, I shouldn't get off on tangents because there's a lot to go through. Uh, so the B, uh, uh, So we had a great show. Um, uh, Ivy D- uh, Cordova came in to replace AJ DeMello. Um uh Iman Desmore came in to replace John Gab. Um I started off, I had a good opening set. I actually did a little crowd work, some legit crowd work. Um, and then uh I put Iman up first, and he did mostly crowd work, and uh seemed to uh sort of piss some people off. <laughs> um some guys got a little, uh, a little. I could see on their faces that they weren't happy with the way they were being talked to, or questions they were being asked, or assumptions that uh, Iman might have made that they weren't happy with. Whatever. Um, uh, Roman Guzman came through from uh, from out in Modesto had a good set. I will be doing doing his show in November. At the Post in Modesto. Uh, That's his show. Um, He's on the radio out there. He's on the river. I guess he's the morning guy or something. I don't know. Uh, Who else? was? Oh. uh, um, uh, Rob Edwards had a great, great set. Uh, Just super funny. He's got that deadpan, sort of low-key, you know, um, monotone, almost... Sort of delivery, he's not very hype But he's a very tall um, uh, Very well put together Gentleman Sort of intimidating looking, I guess If you're scared of black people uh, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then Jay Rich, who was my headliner last month Fucking hit me up in the morning asking if he can drop a guest set Um and I knew why he asked if he could do a guest set, because he was going to be at uh, Tommy T's uh, all weekend uh, doing shows. And I'm sure he wanted to get uh, get some reps in or get a rep in. So uh, I let him do 10 minutes. He wanted, me, he wanted to do 15. I said, I ain't got time to let you do 15. And so he was happy with the 10. And uh, he had a great set. Ivy came up, did a great set. And then Terry Dorsey headlined, had a great headlining set. So a great show, but the turnout was a little thin. Our thinnest turnout since we've been back in January. And I know I've said that a couple times, but they keep getting thinner. <laughs> um, the the uh, women folk uh, show that I did, which I refuse to call a ladies night because I've been told we're not supposed to call all female lineups ladies nights anymore. For whatever reason, whatever woke philosophy is involved in that, um, because if you have a comedy show of all of all males, do you call it a a, a a man's night? They're all men's night. We just let you ladies in on our shit. No, I'm kidding, kidding. Um, but you know, you're right. You're right, we don't, uh, excuse me, Jesus, what the fuck, it is a little late, it is like 11, fucking, 11, 10, 10, after, I waited as long as I could to come out to the workshop to do the podcast, because it was so fucking hot today, it was 105 at Castor Valley today, 100. that doesn't happen very often, Um. anyway, great show at the Bistro, super stoked, uh, and then I turned around on Saturday. Hazards played in Seaside, California for our thing called Deke Fest. Uh, Deek Fest is honoring uh, a guy that was a local guy in that area, musician that a lot of people dug. Um, I guess he passed away. I don't know what, what his story was or who he was. I didn't know the cat, but we got asked to play. Um, we were third... On the Friday show. The Friday show originally was having Mordred headline, headlining with The Boneless Ones and Blind Illusion. All those bands flaked out. None of those bands played. Nor did a ton other bands that were booked. There was like 15 bands that were supposed to play on Sunday. I think maybe 6 bands played. I don't know what the fuck happened. I don't know what happened to the rest of the festival the other days. I didn't even recognize who the headliners were for the Saturday or the Sunday shows. Nor did I recognize any of the bands that were supposed to. Oh, Hambridge was even supposed to play. They were supposed to show up with their fucking uh, converted RV that they play in. um, But their RV has broke down, so they haven't been playing at all thing was supposed to be a big deal. Now, first of all, trying to find the place, we could not. Where it was on the map for the the Yahoo, Google, whatever waves or whatever fuck map scenarios we were using, fucking Thomas Guide, whatever the fuck we were using to try to find this place, it was not where it was saying it was. When we finally find Cuz... C-U-Z, cuz, C-U-Z apostrophe S, cuz, sportsman's bar, when we finally find it, uh, nice little dive bar, as a dive bar should be, it's noon 30, I think by the time we get there, we're supposed to be there at noon, so we were a little late, because we had a trouble finding it, Uh, we're backlining gear, which means I didn't have to bring drums. We didn't have to bring cabinets, all providing. And, of course, when they backline, that means as a drummer, I got to at least bring my cymbals, my own snare drum, and my pedals and sticks, obviously. The first band that's scheduled to play is a band called Black Lung. Black Lung seems like a band name that should have been used a long time ago by some other band. Maybe it has been. I don't know. I thought that was a great fucking name for a band. How come it hadn't been used before? But these guys apparently are a legendary band, is what somebody said, from Southern California. They were from California City, which is um, Southern California somewhere. Um, they showed up early enough that they took the backline drums off of the stage... And the backline speakers off of the stage put their own speaker cabinet up there and dude put his own drums up there. Did this before anybody was there. Or the guys at least running the thing. The guys running the thing had gear there already and left. Maybe they brought the gear in the night before. I do not know. But these guys took some liberties and put their own drum set up there. I'm uh, I'm going to go out of a little chronological order because what happened while this band, Black Lund, played is very remarkable. The second band that was supposed to play did not show. We were the third band. Uh, And the band that was after us was not there yet either. So literally, there's only two bands there. Uh... People are actually kind of showing up. The, pay, uh, uh, the people running this place? Definitely on methamphetamines. I mean, there was... The, <laughs> the way they were moving furniture around, the way they were setting up chairs, the way they were going about doing what they were doing was the most tweak. This was the most tweaky fucking bar I've been in in a long time. Tweaker McGeekers. These fuckers were gacked out. Fucking big time meth heads that were working there, taking care of the thing. Me and the fellas in Hazards, most of the shows that we play, we are usually the old men at the place. We were the youngest motherfuckers in the place. We were all pushing 50. The whole band, except for Gil, our singer, who just turned 35 or 36 or something like that. Or 34, maybe. Um, but me, Billy, and Joey are 48 and 49. We're pushing 50. And we were the youngest people there. It was phenomenal. Black Lung is ready to play and they're up there and they're they're ready and i hear them hit their first note and i said well let's get up and see what these guys are doing i walk in to hear a cacophony of noise similar to what you would hear sometimes when a band starts you hear a long chord played and the gzz, cymbal washing maybe some rolls just rumbling <laughs> That's what I thought I was hearing. What was actually happening was the drummer was playing some kind of beat. The guitar was playing some sort of riffs. And it, that went on in increments of three to four minutes at a time. Song after song after song. There was no beat. There was no riffs that you could grab, like here. There was no sensible beat being made. I've never seen anything like this ever in my life. Somehow this band would start at the same time. Now, mind you, it's just drums and guitar. The drummer sings and plays at the same time. And the and then and then I think it's his wife, the guitar player. Just played guitar. I was watching the guitar player play. I don't think that she ever plays the same thing twice. That at no point did it look like there was a riff being played. It just looked like her hand was moving up and down the fretboard, and there's noise coming out. And the guy is playing drums. I mean, he's hitting the drums. But there's no beats being made. And then they would do a roll. Boom, do, do. We've all heard a child that doesn't know how to play drums sit behind a drum kit and bang on the drum set. We've all heard this. We know what this sounds like. A non knowing how to play the drums child playing drums. this is what I was hearing out of this band. I could not believe what I was hearing out of this band. And in my bewilderment and and my wonder in my awestruckness and confusion and just wondering what the fuck am I watching? How are they doing this? They would start a song without a count off and then they would end the song at the same time. I don't know how they were doing this. It was crazy. And in 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 and what I'm hearing is the most awful fucking noise that I've heard a band ever do. This head and shoulders by far is the worst fucking thing i'm ever hearing a band do and then it clicked it the only explanation that i could com- that i could possibly come up with to make sense about what this shit storm of noise that i'm hearing i walked outside I came back in, walked outside again, and came back in numerous times trying to figure out what the fuck I was witnessing. And it finally dawned on me that these two musicians are the most free and open musicians that I've ever seen ever in my life. Complete freedom, not bound by the constructs of musical structure, notes, harmony, melody, rhythm, none of it. No constrictions at all. Completely free to make the music that is in their blackened hearts this dude had the crusty fucking cookie monster vocals. Pack a pack up pack up pack 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 It was fucking absolutely amazing. it was amazing. It was amazing As in, I'm amazed by what I am witnessing. Good or bad. Because we say when we're, a lot of people, when you say you're amazed by something, you say, usually it means that you're blown away in a positive way. This is not that. I'm blown away by how fucking ridiculously awful it was. But the only thing that I could think of is that they are that free. They are just that fucking free that this is the art in which they create. Um, Be it that the band that was playing after them and before us hadn't showed up yet, the guys running the show told Black Lung that they could keep playing. Props to the promoters of this show and the audience members that were there at this time. No judgment was passed. I felt, I started to feel awful about thinking that how terrible this was because nobody else seemed to be affected by the fuck shit noise that these people were making. I I applaud them for their lack of judgment. They passed none. I saw nobody shaking their heads or looking bewildered. I thought I was in the fucking Twilight Zone. I thought I was being punked. I thought of every fucking thing I could think of to answer the question, why and how is this happening? They drove from Southern California. This band has a rehearsal space. They practiced this. It was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Amazing! Oh,
1: my God. I, I can't...
0: I can't... I can't, exp- I, 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 I can't express to you how... Um, how bizarre... This this shit was. Um so that was uh that was my Friday. We played it we ended up playing at like three thirty. Uh we were back up here in the Bay Area. Uh we were in San Jose by like back in San Jose by seven. I was home uh, before eight. Uh one of the worst uh things I've ever been a part of. All the way around. And to cap it off, somebody had mentioned that the Mexican restaurant that was next to the venue, that was next to Cuz Sportsman Bar, uh, a Mexican restaurant that I did not catch the name of, but we were told that that was the best Mexican food in the area. You will not find better Mexican food in all of the land there. Which I would assume meant between Seaside and Monterey. I doubt they actually meant Monterey. I think they meant within the four block radius. Because this fucking place sucked dick when it came to Mexican food. It was... I had the driest burrito I've had in a long time... And there wasn't even anything that I could dump on it to give it something. Like the driest grilled chicken. Um, Yeah, it was bad. It was not cool. I don't know who the fuck told it. the
1: best Mexican food.
0: So disappointed. Such a shit day. Long day. Long fucking day anyway, so that was my Friday, <laughs> Saturday, I, um, uh, so I had to take Friday off, I couldn't work, you know, so uh, I jumped right back into working on Saturday, um, try to get as much done as I could, there was a show, <clears throat> so, <coughs> excuse me, be at the J. Rich, did a, a drop to guest set at my bistro show, and he was going to be at, Tommy T's all weekend, I thought, you know what, maybe I'll go over to Tommy T's, I haven't been to Tommy T's in a while, Tommy T's is a comedy club here in the Bay Area, that's uh, two towns over from where I live, and uh, I haven't shown my face there, um, I don't think I've showed my face there since the pandemic, to be honest, and I've been meaning to get back in there, and show my face there, remind these people who I am, that I still do comedy, um cuz it is a good place to work. It's a fucking comedy club. Although it is the Urban Club now for comedy in the Bay Area. It's where most of your um you know, most of your black comics that are, you know, national headliner comics that's where they'll they'll stop there. It is considered a um a B market so um, you know, a lot of big names will go in there and um and they're going in there for the sole purpose of working on stuff. Working on their next hour usually. But uh this weekend was the uh the 580 boys, which is uh Mario Hodge, um Jerry Law and Jay Rich. They have dubbed themselves the 580 boys, 580 being the freeway that runs through the East Bay. Through Oakland um, These guys are all fucking They're all about at, at about the same level As far as uh, headlining So I think they were going to take turns Who was going to headline each night They did Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, I went in there on Friday I walk up Jay Rich is outside He's on the phone And it sounds like he's trying to figure out Where somebody is Hey man, where you at? You know, this show's about to start You're not here What's going on? And as I walking up, I hear him say, fuck it, we're going to put Sean Boyles up then. And I said, no, you ain't. And he started laughing. He's like, you'll be all right. You'll be fine. Yeah, we're going to put Sean Boyles up. I went to support my friends in comedy (laughs) at Tommy T's. I did not go there with the intention of getting up. And now I'm being thrown on the show. I almost ended up having to host the show because there was a little discrepancy on who they wanted to host, and the one guy didn't really want to host, and they asked me, Do you want can you host? I said, Well, yeah, I can host, but you know, I don't know if that's a good idea. And they knew exactly why I was saying that probably isn't a good idea. This crowd is 95% black. I am not black. Um that could potentially be a problem. Not that it should be a problem, but a non-black guy with dreads grown down to his ass could potentially be a problem for some folks. Uh, I did 10 minutes for both shows. I wasn't expecting to do one show. I sure as shit wasn't expecting to do two shows, but they had asked if I could stay. And I was like, well, as long as I don't have to pick up my wife from Bart yet. Yeah, I could stay, which, you know, was able to do way after after because she came in late. So the first show, I I started super strong. The first thing out of my mouth was, you know, I walked up and I felt everyone going, oh, shit. And I said, that's right, oh, shit. You weren't ready for this shit, were you? You weren't expecting me at all. And I got a big fucking laugh out of that and I ran, th- I just start. I just kept it going, rapid fire. Bang, 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 bang. Just try to do, you know, as much quick shit as I could. And then I sort of, I ran into a low. I started going into a bit that just didn't really hit. Wasn't getting anything. Just, just sitting there. And then I did a bit that's a little bit more sort of smarty pants. And I got a laugh. And then um, ended, I just there was this low. I started really, really strong though. And in fact, Jay and Melvin, Melvin Jr., who was the host, uh, they heard me cracking right to start and were like, oh, shit, Sean's got this. And they went outside. So they didn't hear me. They didn't hear the middle of my set sort of eat shit. And then um, they came back in, and I was kind of getting them back and was getting some laughs to end the set. So... uh I did okay. I did okay. The second set, I ate dick. I totally bombed. Um, didn't get anything going. Didn't get any laughs. I got a couple of chuckles at the top, um, and that was it. I I, I did a little couple different jokes than I did the first time, and um, got nothing, man. Just got nothing. They were a lot tighter because Melvin was having a hell of a time too. He even said he's like man, these these folks are. Now late night Saturday crowd is showing up loose. I mean, a couple of these cats, they were fucking pissy drunk walking in, so it was a tighter crowd, it was a tougher crowd, but Jay went up there and fucking ripped. Jay Rich fucking just ripped. And uh and Jerry Law was going to headline, so Jerry fucking ripped too. I I'd say Jay had a better set than Jerry though. Um, so, uh, thank, I, I definitely thank Jay big time about, um, you know, just throwing me up and throwing me to the fucking wolves. I need it. I need those more, more of those challenges. You know, I need to figure out what works, uh, pedophile jokes and incest jokes. Do not go over with the urban crowds. Don't play that shit. And I have some of those jokes, and I knew the pedophile joke would what I have do have a goofy incest joke, and um that did not go over um, and the whatever little borderline racial jokes that I might have didn't work either, so I tried to stay away from those um <laughs> I got a good ooh like. Like, ooh, like, not a good ooh, like a bad ooh. And then I say, hey, 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 think about what I just said. That's a compliment to those folks. I'm not saying nothing bad, you know. And then I got a laugh because they realized that they were being obtuse for the purpose of being obtuse. So, um, yeah, man, Tommy Cheese, man, Tommy Cheese. All right, uh let's uh let's try and do this. Let's see what happens. Uh and then I'll go over something pretty major after
1: this. Oh, wow. What did I just listen to?
0: <laughs> oh. Yeah, let's try and do this. Um This is the part of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, where I, a super um, long-time fan of fucking heavy metal, uh, I try to react to a song on the Billboard Hot 100, the pop charts, yo. And um, let's see what's going on there. And uh, maybe I'll hear something and maybe I'll laugh at it so uh that's what we're gonna try to do uh with this goofy setup it's gonna be a little weird it might be hard to hear the song uh but we're gonna try it the song this week i think this is the number 12 song in the country it is by one republic the song is called i ain't worried and uh let's see what's going on with these guys Why does this sound like Foster the People? That was like a hot shit song back in like 2010, right? They totally had the whistle shit in their shit too, right? like a is this a band like a band like a maroon five kind of band like they have a band like instruments and shit drums and guitar and bass is this maroon five Yeah, dude, this sounds just like a Foster the People song. Remember that song? Um, uh, what the hell? Did, how did that song go? Maybe I'll pull that song up. I think I have it. Talking about
1: 1999. In the flats,
0: on the Better be worried about some plagiarism. Ah, no. Um.
1: Yeah, that sounds
0: just like that Foster the People song. Or that style anyway. Like it like it's not it does it's not a foster the people song, but God damn it, is it close? It is fucking close. Let's see if I could find that song. Um if I still have it in here. I remember I downloaded a bunch it there was a time where I was sharing my iTunes back when you shared an iTunes with somebody. And um Yeah, it's twenty eleven. Remember this song, Pumped Up Kicks? Let's see if it'll play. A little slower. I guess it's not close, but it reminds me of, it reminds me of it. All right, there's another song they got on here that... Maybe it's that first one. I know they got a song that's got a whistly part. And of course, it's not going to want to play because, yeah, the request is timed out. I don't know if that's it or not. Of course, I'm doing all this when I have the, the shittiest fucking sound doing. Yeah, doesn't want to play that first song because I think it's the first song that's got a little whistly part. Anyway, whatever. Fuck it. Never mind. Never mind. Jesus Christ. Um oh, Yeah, man. So on Saturday um was the first of two uh Taylor Hawkins tribute concerts. Uh, Put together by the Foo Fighters To honor Their um, Their drummer that had passed away And um, Two giant concerts The first one being on Saturday in London At Wembley Stadium And uh, the second one Will be in Los Angeles At another stadium In a couple of weeks And uh, Some really Cool shit happened (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on this fucking um, um this this tribute show. I mean uh I, I didn't watch all of it. Um MTV actually was showing it on YouTube if you were able to catch it on MTV's YouTube channel, which I didn't even know you MTV had a YouTube, but they broadcasted live there. There was a couple of spots just kind of broadcasting live. You can't really find the clips now. They've sort of uh, scrubbed the YouTubes and the internet for clips. But uh, I kind of was – be it that I caught it on Saturday when it was being broadcast, I was able to sort of scrub through it. And um, because like the show wasn't over yet. When I started to try to check it out So I caught it from the beginning And I was able to scrub up to it To when it was live Um, Be it that it was in England Happening at night over there It's You know midday here So anyway I um, uh, The first thing I saw was uh, As I scrubbed through And I just kind of scrubbed through it To just kind of If I saw something that looked That like kind of looked interesting I, you know, like I recognized, you know, Dave Chappelle. So I, oh, well, what did Dave Chappelle do? And uh, he told a rad story about, um, um you know, for, well, before I even get into that, just like the undertaking that had to be, you know, like. There's a lot of musicians and a lot of artists that had to get wrangled and corralled. And I know it's a tribute. And I'm sure a lot of these people wanted to be there and wanted to make this happen. And they wanted to contribute and honor um, someone that they knew they were. Um, how can I put it? people that, that, that knew that Hawkins was a fan of them? As well as people that were fans of him. Wanting to honor him. And you know so. um, But just to put all that together. I mean fucking kudos to the Foo Fighter camp. For uh, just putting together such an insane amount of. I mean we're talking about monster monster stars on the planet. And uh, got them all together to, uh, to honor their dude. So, uh, anyway, so like I said, the first thing I saw was Dave Chappelle, and he told this rad story about actually hanging out with Taylor Hawkins and his family and his sons. And, um, he said the first time he met the Foo Fighters is when he hosted uh, Saturday Night Live, and this was the famous, uh, he did the monologue where he talked, you know, like, right before the election, you know, like, you know, or, or, or right before the inauguration. I think Trump had won, and, um... He, you know, Dave was like, hey, let's give him a chance. Let's see what's up. You know what I mean? And I think Foo Fighters were the guests, the music guests that night. And he met them that night. They hung out. And they went to an after hour. Then he met them another time. And they were hanging out and went to a place. And he said he went to a jazz spot. And they were watching some fucking jazz drummers playing. And the son asked his, his father, you know. And he's all, Dad, can you play that? You know, can you play like that? And, um... Taylor Hawkins said, no, those are real musicians. (laughs) You know, talking about the jazz guys, you know what I mean? And, you know, Dave got a big laugh with that story in front of fucking Wembley Stadium, which is fucking, what, 80,000 people or some shit like that? Anyway. um, I think the first actual music that I watched um, was... um, Watched a little bit of, you know, I guess they brought out, you know, his band. Uh, T- Taylor Hawkins had a few other little side bands. Uh, Chevy Metal was one of them, which is they get together and just play, you know, fucking butt rock covers. Uh, or stadium rock covers. Just fucking rock covers. And, um, and he had another band, too, that I think had originals that he actually sang for. Uh, I think he sang for Chevy Metal, too. But uh, those guys got together and played a bunch of songs. Um... With various singers, uh, but first of super of note was they brought out Wolfgang Van Halen. This is Eddie Van Halen's son. They bring him out. Josh Fries is gonna play drums. Dave Grohl. Hats off to Dave Grohl. He fucking played like all day long with like every band. Like he like he either he either played the bass or he played drums. Or he played guitar backing somebody up. Like he played all fucking day long on this thing. Pretty, pretty remarkable. Kudos to Mr. Grohl for putting in a long day and playing with everybody. But, um, but Wolfie comes out. Uh, Grohl's playing bass, and they brought up this I forget his name. Uh, I think his name's Justin Hawken, which is the singer for this band from England called The Darkness. They had, like, one minor hit in, like, the mid-2000s. Um, but I guess they're still pretty big in, uh, in England. So he's going to sing. He does a terrible David Lee Roth, but whatever. Uh, what was most impressive? Uh, Josh Freeze. Props to Josh Freeze. He is the most chameleon drummer there is on the planet. Josh Freeze has played on many and many and many of albums, mimicking a drummer style. Uh, and has not been credited as to not send waves through the industry that the drummer didn't actually play on the record. He has done this many, many times. He can play like anybody, and you wouldn't even know it. Um, Countless bands have taken him out on tour uh, when their drummer has not been able to perform or, or, uh, or, or get it together to tour. He's just, time and time again, has has been a guy. Uh, So he is now doing his best, Alex Van Halen. He plays the beginning of fucking Hot for Teacher. He plays it well. But then the most impressive thing that happens is Wolfgang Van Halen, who is a very accomplished musician in his own right, can play every instrument, has put out a record called Mammoth. That's his band, in which he played everything, drums, bass, guitar, and did all the vocals. He starts to rip into that intro solo for Hot For Teacher that is his dad's fucking guitar playing. He manages to play Hot For Teacher on guitar exactly like his dad. Now, I've seen plenty of Van Halen tribute bands or people ripping Van Halen solos or doing a cover of a Van Halen. Nobody ever nails it. Nobody ever gets it right. Wolfie fucking nailed it. He had the tone, which is the that's the that's the hardest part of all of it. Getting the Eddie Van Halen tone is near impossible they they've built amps they've built pedals they make guitars so you can get Eddie Van Halen's tone and nope and yet it can still not be produced Wolfie's got the tone and he plays the fucking all the finger tapping and all the solos all the rhythm parts he played them fucking perfectly and it sounded like Eddie Van Halen it was fucking amazing they did two songs they did on fire And they did Hot for Teacher. And I was blown away. Absolutely fucking blown away by how accurate Wolfie can be his father on guitar. It was so impressive. We didn't know. And of course you could say, oh, well, of course you should have known. It's this kid. Of course, that's how he learned how to play. He learned from his father. But that doesn't mean he's learned all his old man's fucking licks. The fucker was finger tapping his ass off. It was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, So yeah, it just, just you know, like I said, Grohl playing all day. I mean, there's I don't know why Dave Grohl gets a lot of hate, but he does. People see him and they roll their eyes like, oh, fucking this guy. He's in every music documentary making a comment about something. Maybe because he's everywhere all the time enthusiastically. People are just tired of seeing him. Or they just think he's a cheese dick. I don't know if there's a more authentic guy out there as far as rock musician is concerned. And let's face it, for rock music, they are holding the fucking fort down by themselves, the Foo Fighters. As a rock band and one of the biggest rock bands on the planet, you can't really name too many giant rock bands like the Foo Fighters could play anywhere at any time, any stadium, anywhere on the planet and sell it out in huge numbers. I mean, come on. I mean, and just the fact that he put this thing together, come on. Like, the guy's a national treasure, as far as I'm concerned. I just don't understand. If you're hating on the guy after watching this fucking tribute concert, you're just a dickhead. That's all there is to it. Um, uh, Let's see. What else we got? Uh, so uh, Josh Homey, that's the uh, dude from uh, Queens of the Stone Age. He came out with uh, the guys from uh, – uh, uh, he came out with Nile Rodgers, and they did a few Bowie songs because uh, Taylor Hawkins is a huge Bowie fan. Uh, Josh Homey can do a really good David Bowie. I was very impressed with him singing David Bowie. Um Uh, Lars Ulrich came out and played some drums. They did an ACDC song. They did a couple ACDC songs. Brian Johnson came out and sang. uh, Lars Ulrich proving once again that he cannot play anybody else's music except for Metallica music and the few covers that Metallica has tried to play over the years. Um, Even though they take those, they always kind of make them their own, those covers. And I think they have to make them their own because Lars can't do anything else but Metallica songs. They did Black and Black and they did, um, um, fuck. It's it's like one of my favorite fucking ACDC songs. Uh, 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 um, let there be rock. Jesus Christ. Um. We've all heard Back in Black, right? bananat, Skagoon, gagoon, 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 right? That boodoo boodoo For lack of a better term, we, we call that a turnaround, probably. That's a turnaround in the riff. He fucked up the turnarounds. The song's got that turnaround all throughout the whole song. Lars fucked up the rhythm of those turnarounds. It was sickening. I was like as soon as it started I was like oh shit he's kind of got that feel right. cap and again like he just it felt okay and anyway like he rushed the shit out of the turnaround. I was like fuck Lars you dickhead. Ah, So upset. Um, <laughs> they brought out Alex Lifeson and Geddy Lee from Rush Taylor Hawkins a huge Rush fan a Hugh Neil Peart fan any rock drummer worth its, I've said it a thousand times and I'll say it a thousand times more any rock drummer worth their weight if they did not go through a Rush phase in their playing I don't want to hear you play drums and uh those guys came out and uh, Grohl played drums for some for a couple of songs. Uh, they did working Man, and uh, I think they did um, the first part of uh, 2112. Um The priest of Sphering's basically is the first uh, the first movement. Of 2112. Uh, and then... Um, because it was Taylor Hawkins' favorite song... They did YYZ. Which they call YY... We always call it YYZ. The Canadians, they call it YYZ. Let's call it what the Canadians call it. Because fucking Rush is Canadian. They do YYZ... In um, renowned... Amazing... Fucking monster... Drummer Omar Hakim... Who uh, played on like the, those early Sting... Solo records like, uh, uh, what is that fucking Turtle of a Blue Dream or something with the blue dream and the turtles or, if I could ever, whatever that shit was, that old Sting shit. That's Omar Hakim playing drums on that. Um, he comes out to do YYZ with Rush. And it sounded like dog shit. Um... I w- he, he he's he put too much swing, he tried to put too much groove into that song, and he sort of muddied it up. Um. All the fills he sort of did okay, but the main groove, the scanned again, da-da, 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 he was kind of. Pitter-patting it a little bit too much. He was trying to make it swing way more than it needs to swing. That shit's square as fuck. It's Rush, it don't fucking swing. Um, so that got a little wonky, a little kind of, you know. I mean, to see Getty Lee and Alice Lifeson come out, you're already, you're already fucking as a huge Rush fan like I am. I'm already like on pins and needles because I'm like, oh god oh, they can't really be who they are because it's fucking Neil Peart's past and we can't have Rush the way we know Rush. And, you know, Getty's voice isn't what it used to be. You know, so... And so to hear Rush done sort of subpar... You know, I... I and this is, like, the second time they've come out in, in like, the last month because they played at the... uh They played at the South Park uh, 25th anniversary concert and um, had uh, who played drums? It was, uh, oh, uh, because they did it with Primus. So it's Tim Alexander who can do Neil justice. Um, And then um, what's his ass? One of the, is is it Parker or Stone? One of the South Park guys is a drummer. And he and he actually got to play with Lifeson and and, and Getty Lee, so he was super over the moon. Uh, and they did "Closer to the Heart," which is a pretty simple drum song, uh, and that was cool. Um, but I I watched that and I got choked up as soon as fucking Getty Lee started singing "Closer to the Heart." As soon as his vocal started, for I got super choked up. I started thinking about fuck, Neil's not there. How can they even do this? You know, and not, like, how could they do it, like, how dare they, but just, like, oh, man, how, you know. Anyway. So, it sucks to see Rush in any capacity without Neil Peart, because fucking Neil Peart, goddammit. Then the Foo Fighters, like I said, I I sort of clipped through. I didn't watch every performance, (coughs) you know, um, they put together a little montage video of Hawkins playing... And doing drum solos and doing interviews. And and then the next thing they show, Grohl's on the stage with one light down on him. He's got his guitar around him. He's at the microphone. And um, he starts to sing the chorus of um, times like these. And it's times like these. I don't know the words to anything because I'm such a dick. Um, but... Um, you know he does the first verse and then he gets to that chorus and he fucking he starts to feel the weight of the day man and he has a hard time getting through it and he actually has to stop and you see him wiping tears out of his eyes and i mean the whole day you know you're you're paying homage and you're you know doing this great tribute to you know your band member your brother and Like, how could he not fucking break down, you know? Um, Because I was breaking down plenty of times watching, you know, fucking seeing Wolfie fucking shred. I started tearing up thinking about the passing of Eddie Van Halen, you know what I mean? Seeing fucking Rush play, you know, without Neil Peart, I get a little misty-eyed, you know? And then you start thinking, of, well, fuck, they're doing this because of Taylor Hawkins, and you start thinking about that. And then fucking, you know, food, he goes up. You know, Grohl starts singing the song. He fuck, and then the band kicks in, and they just start rocking, and everything's great. They bring out um, an older son. I believe it was an older son of Taylor Hawkins, and he plays a song, and he plays just like his dad, like the way he sat on the kit and the his shoulders and the way they were or whatever. Um, uh, Josh Freeze played most of the night for the Foo Fighters, but then they were bringing guys out to sort of do stuff. Um, Paul McCartney came out with Chrissy Hine. The Pretenders had played earlier in the day. Um, Paul McCartney comes out to play with the Foo Fighters and Chrissy Hine to do this one song that they recorded in the fucking like early 90s or late 80s or whatever that they've never performed live together ever. It was kind of a little wonky because it was like, I don't know, does Taylor super dick butt? It's fucking Paul McCartney, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, let's bring Paul McCartney out, you know what I mean? Um, but the highlight, and this is all over the internet, the highlight of the Foo Fighters set was bringing Taylor Hawkins' 16-year-old son up and putting him on the drum set and having him play My uh, My Hero and um, you know 16 year old jumps up on that drum kit launches into that you know the song starts with the drums right and he's just fucking nailing it he's hitting fucking hard like Jesus Christ kid you're gonna gas out plays the whole fucking song doesn't gas out there's this big build up after the bridge to go into the last chorus and he fucking plays the shit out of that build up and just i mean it was amazing it was amazing in a good way just fucking knocked it out of the park just all that emotion all that you know this is for you dad energy that was it was just fucking great i mean and how you could how you could watch that and not feel the emotion and get choked up and lose your own shit watching that shit man it's fucking amazing absolutely amazing then um they close the set by doing everlong and and just kind of does it like he um like he did it on stern with just him and a guitar and uh, then says thanks and they bring everybody out for a big bow at the end and uh, that's that but um Pretty uh, pretty phenomenal. Pretty fucking epic. Uh, now, they have another show that they're going to do in L.A., and I would assume that, I mean, this is just, you know, knowing how these things go. Uh, I'm sure we'll be emotional as well, but I think it'll be more of a celebration and, and sort of, you know, a funner thing in tribute because I think the heaviest of it got out of the way. This is the first time the Foo Fighters have played at all in any capacity since, uh, since he died. You know what I mean? So um, kudos to them for putting this together. Um, I don't think they've announced or will announce what their plans will be after these shows or after this next uh, tribute show. Um, do they get a new drummer? Or do they go on uh, with somebody else? Does the kid play? the kid could play. I don't see why he couldn't, you know, fill in, you know, keep it in the family kind of shit. So we'll see. We'll see what they do. I mean, Josh Freese could do it easily. He's the fucking chameleon of all chameleons and he's done big tours and shit. So I don't know. We will, we will see. Uh, but I would think that, um, I think it'll be a funner show, the LA show than, uh, you know, not as emotional, maybe. I don't know. We will see. We will see what happens. All right. Uh, maybe I've went a little long, huh? Maybe I've went a little long. There was a lot to talk about this fucking week. God damn it. Uh, where are we at? Um, all right. Let's play this dumb thing here.
1: Oh,
0: shit. oh my. All right. um, I tried to, uh, Earworm of the Week is Curtis, uh, well, rate, review, subscribe, thank you for checking out the podcast, I appreciate all you people, you guys are great. Uh, <laughs> um, Megadeth put out a new record this week, and I tried listening to it, and it's okay, nothing really grabbed me, um, it definitely sounds like Megadeth, which is great, um there's a thing that Mustaine does, especially vocally. Well, I mean, he's got a pretty distinct voice. Um but his riff choices are um, sort of signature. Like he like the riffs he writes, he kind of you know he's he's well established himself as a pretty monster riff writer, and there is a style that is to Megadeth that is pretty signature Megadeth. And this new record is doing that for sure. However, what has happened is it triggered another song of Megadeth to be the Earworm of the Week. And I hadn't heard this song too many times until recently. For some reason, when I go and put on Um, Apple Music Sean Radio, the radio station that Apple Music has curated for me, especially for me. Um, They tend to play the same songs a lot. And for some reason, this particular Megadeth song gets played a lot. And I've heard it a lot. Thus, after listening to a lot of Megadeth for this new Megadeth record, this song ended up being stuck in my head. And, like I said, I don't think I've ever heard this song until recently. Like in the last, I don't know, three, four months. And I guess this song is on the um, on the Beavis and Butthead Do America soundtrack. This song is on there. It's called 99 Ways to Die. Your Earworm of the Week by Megadeth. 99 Ways to Die. Be good. Keep it dirty. And hopefully I get a new cable and have a better podcast next week. And that's when I will see you, Dick Stains, next week. (laughs)